We are going to get so, uh, welcome and thank you for joining us today. Uh, uh, we're going to have another episode of the Jane Irrigation Training Series. I'm your host, Richard Restucia, and today we're going to be talking about something um, that is a little different. And what I mean by a little different is we're not going to talk strictly about irrigation today, but we're going to talk a little bit about what's happening with the weather. And I don't mean your local weather and is it sunny or cool today. What I'm talking about is the big dramatic differences that I think we're all experiencing. Uh, certainly, I was thinking about this the other day, uh, this term uh, <clears throat> atmospheric river. Right. This is a term I just learned maybe in the last four or five years. Uh, has, it hasn't been in my vocabulary prior to that. Uh, I certainly know sitting here in California, I'm looking at 20 plus years of mega drought. And now people are saying, well, is it really a mega drought or is it uh, aridification of the whole region? So lots of things, lots of new terminology are happening. And the reason this is happening, it's a result of things are changing with the weather, long term changes. The other thing that I think we're all experiencing and noticing is that these changes mean dramatic shifts in weather, right? We see a really hot day or a hot span, uh, then that's followed by a really colder span. So um, in particular, it's these changes and the dramatic changes that I think are so difficult when it comes to water management. And uh, today we're gonna talk about how you as a water manager can uh, use some tools and some things you can do to manage these extremes a lot better. And uh, taking us through this journey today is uh, Greg Black. He is the operations manager for uh, ET Water and Jane Irrigation, uh, working uh, particularly in the uh, smart controller area. And uh, Greg's been involved in smart controllers for uh, nearly 20 years now. I think he was the third employee at ET Water when they started. He has really seen the whole span of years of uh, uh, incredible acceleration of technology in, in water management that we've seen in landscape irrigation. And he's here to share some of that with, the, uh, with you today. The other thing I wanna say about Greg is uh, if you've had the experience of being one of his customers, you can certainly know that uh, Greg goes uh, above and beyond to make sure your experience is a good one. And uh, I know today he's going to try to do that as well for all the viewers. So, Greg, welcome and thanks for joining us today. Richard, thank you so much. That's a wonderful introduction. I appreciate it. I'm glad yeah. to be here. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, look, Greg, uh, I'm going to just jump right in this, right? And again, I don't know if uh, uh, if I necessarily want to call this climate change, but uh, certainly feels like to me that things are changing. There's some change afoot. Uh, I don't know if it's man-made necessarily or just a change in the weather uh, that uh, happens from time to time. But uh, I do know one thing's for sure. Um, we are seeing change. Uh, do, do you agree with that? Yeah, Richard, uh, when I'm out talking with the customers, what they're reporting back to me is this concept of intensity, right? So the weather is changing, it's more variable, it's hotter for longer, or there's more rain. It's that intensity of weather variability that's really starting to get people's attention. Yeah, 
Mine too, right? I mean, it's that's what becomes so noticeable. And I, I you know, one of the things I always think about is a, as a kid growing up in uh, Arizona, we would travel to the snow quite often, right? So we're talking, uh, uh, you know, 40 plus years ago, uh, traveling up to snow country and really, you know, seeing uh, 15, 20 feet of snow on the side of the road, not being able to, you know, turn left or right because you couldn't see because there was so much snow. And I, I just think that has gone away for the state of Arizona, you know, at least for the last 10 or 15 years. So uh, you know, I always look to my personal examples of this, not to mention uh, it's just a lot hotter in Southern California right now and, uh, and Arizona where I grew up, it's, uh, it's different. So um, considering these differences, Greg, uh, what do water managers need to know about this so they can uh, properly manage uh, irrigation? Richard, there's a couple of things you got to know, right? The first thing you got to know is your irrigation infrastructure, right? So in these periods of heat and drought, got to make sure all that water going through all those pipes is getting on the plants and not being wasted or lost to leaks and breaks. Once you feel clear that your infrastructure has kind of full integrity or as close as you can get, the next thing you got to know is data. You got to know more about this weather. You got to know more about the variability. How long is it going to be hot? How much hotter is it going to be? If it does rain, how much rain do we anticipate? Is that kind of weather information, that kind of uh, uh, weather factor data that folks are going to need in order to make good decisions about irrigation management? Yeah, so this just opens up a whole Pandora's box of questions for me. And uh, before I get into them, I just want to remind everybody that I do have the Q&A and the chat open. So if you have a question for Greg or me and you want to ask it, please put them in there. Uh, or if you have a comment, put it in the chat and I'll be sure to uh, share what's appropriate. So, um, all right. So let's say I have all this uh, access to data, Greg, but... Uh, I don't have a smart controller. Am I really going to say, gee, um, San Diego is going to be hot this weekend. I know that for sure. Uh, so I'm going to, you know, I'm managing uh, 10 HOAs, a total of 50 controllers. Am I going to go out there and change irrigation today before the weekend comes? You may have to, Richard. The thing about a standard timer or a system that only has kind of minimal uh, weather information is that, yeah, more and more, you're gonna be on the hook for visiting these controllers, making sure that they can apply the right amount of water to the landscapes you and your customer believe are most critical for those sites. Uh, the thing about smart irrigation is you can be more hands-on with more data automatically, but standard timers still struggle to keep up with that. Yeah, so if I am, using a standard timer still. Um, what's my typical day look like? Well, Richard, uh, a standard timer, as we all know, is only going to execute the program the user entered, yeah. right? So in your example, if San Diego is gonna be hot or if it's gonna be cooler up here in Fort Bragg, you know, you, a resource is gonna have to hop in a truck and go visit that controller and make a change to the schedule. Uh, and once or twice in the old days, right? That's what people would do. They'd set it for the summer, they'd set it for fall. That was great. But now with this intensity and the weather variability, if you've got to send more guys or more people out in more trucks to touch these controllers, I don't think it's going to be necessarily a win, right? So you're all of a sudden starting to see some 
hits to your resource, right? And how much money it costs to keep folks in the field adjusting these timers. Yeah, so with this in mind, we see a lot of landscape contractors, these maintenance companies hiring a lot more water managers to uh, to do this daily activity that they have to do, driving out to the controllers or at least weekly activity. So here's the thing, right? So you're a landscape maintenance contractor, you make a bid for an HOA, you win the bid, right? Maybe you didn't bid too much money, but you won it, right? When you get there, everything's pretty green, it's working okay with your standard timers. The key thing is your client, your customer has already budgeted uh, into the future, your cost of water, right? So when you go on site, everything is pretty much okay. Your customer thinks, okay, this is how much I have to spend, right? The, the, uh, the feeling is that it's all great. We don't necessarily have to respond. Right. Uh, the thing about whether variability is you're gonna have to respond. So whatever you bid, uh, to ensure that you're uh, managing the irrigation correctly. It's going to cost you some more money. The thing about uh, hotter weather, Richard, your controllers are going to be more active more, more of the time, right? So again, you're going to have to make some changes to those boxes. Yeah. The other thing I think about, Greg, on this too, uh, Brian Horn was our guest last week talking about technology and he mentioned that he had a technology speaker at his technology conference that didn't know a lot about landscape, uh, the business. And yeah. so he called 10 contractors uh, to talk about the business so he could understand it better before he did his keynote. And he came back and he said, yeah, I perfectly understand the landscape business now and what their three biggest issues are, labor, labor, labor. <laughs> and it's true. And it's been this way for pre-pandemic. I mean, this has been a long time that labor has been the issue. So I really doubt that we're adding any people to change times on controllers. It's true. And I think at some point, though, the cost of water, right, you're going to have to spend more money to put more water down as these periods of heat and drought accelerate and are more common. Uh, that's going to be a thing. And all of a sudden, if your customers paying more money, you're going to get the call. It's like, why, you know, what's the deal with the water bill? Why is it higher? Uh, and what's the trend, right? And if you're not in a position where you can say, oh, the reason is that we have these standard timers with old schedules in them or schedules that don't update automatically, you're going to need to be able to pivot, we believe, to your customer and say, look, uh, smart irrigation has access to solar radiation and humidity and wind speed the key weather factors that really help the system decide how much to water and when. That's really where you're going to be able to pivot to offer better irrigation management to your customers. Yeah, so there's two things that are really bugging me about this right now. Uh, one, uh, and, and uh, so you, you can have, answer this in a dual, dual role, right? But one is, you know, how many, how many um, smart controllers are there out there today, right? Uh, and, you know, what that percentage is. And then two, you know, we were talking about uh, battery operated equipment uh, last week too, as far as part of technology. Yeah. And I was saying when I was at Valleycrest, people like Google and Apple, before we did their work, we had to invest in uh, uh, battery operated uh, tools because that's what they were demanding. Right. So if that number of how many smart controllers is out there is low, how come we can't get, you know, end user customers to say, this is what I want? The, the key thing is 
how does the site look, Richard? Does it look okay? Does it not look okay? If the contractor isn't increasing the invoicing to the customer to show how much extra time they're spending in the field to deal with weather variability, the client, the customer is unaware, essentially, right? So what we have to do is help make them aware that there's technology out there that's not only going to help the contractor be so much more efficient and effective in the field, but it's going to have that benefit to that water cost, going to knock it down. Yeah, so Greg, help us out. What's your estimate of how many uh, commercial, now we're talking HOAs, commercial properties, the class A buildings, you know, shopping centers, of all these places, how many smart controllers, what percentage have smart controllers installed? I'm going to go uh, between 11 and 15%. You know, it's not a big slice of the market, Richard. And the reason is that, again, if the contractor is able to establish uh, the irrigation management, make sure this site is performing to the needs of the client, the customer, then we're all good, right? Particularly if the customer has all, already allocated the water costs going forward, right? So those inputs are kind of fixed, but what's going to start happening is the weather variability is going to start breaking that up a little bit. Contractors spending more time on site working with their controllers, customers spending more money for more water, right? And then it's going to drive the question, well, wait a minute, last year, five years ago, it was fine. Now suddenly it's not fine. What's going on? And is there a technology solution that can bail me out of this situation? Yeah, so I'm really having a hard time wrapping my head around that number. It actually hurts my head, as you can imagine, uh, because I think about this. I had a meeting with a uh, water sustainability manager for a large city in California last week, and they flat out told me it, their experience, smart controllers save 50% of the water on a property. So I've got a tool that uh, can put, be installed in almost any property that's going to save 50% of the water yet only 15% of the customers are utilizing it. So the big question is why? I, I still don't understand why, you know, that's, that's even possible. The contractor gets to drive this, drive this question, right? There's kind of three things you can do, right? If your site is going to be impacted by this kind of weather variability, you know, you have three choices, right? First choice is don't do anything. Everything's running fine. The, the money's allocated. The timers are working. My people are trained up to make their adjustments more frequently, but it works, right? The second thing you can do, Richard, is you can start making some small changes. It's like, oh, this turf over here doesn't, it's not, you know, uh, uh, facing uh, the public. Maybe we can dial back the irrigation there or change what kind of landscape is growing, you know? And then the other thing is, well, let's jump in with both feet. Let's make an investment in our assets. Let's make sure that the controllers that we're using on this site are actually, uh, um, uh, fully capable of adjusting according to all this weather variability. If you can do, if the contractor feels comfortable bringing that up, then that's when you can start driving the change. I mean, to your point, people do save money. They do save water. Uh, and it's an exciting thing, but the contractor needs to kind of nudge that conversation along. Because doing nothing, if everything is fine, I mean, it's an option, but it's, the, you know, the window is closing pretty quickly now based on what we're seeing. Yeah, I think we're going to get priced out of the market for landscapes here pretty soon. We're certainly seeing it in Southern California, you know, 200. Uh, water is now more expensive than electricity in Southern California. So 
Here's the thing, though, that uh, that uh, I, I just want to throw in here. A couple a couple observations I have. One, um, you know, it's easy to throw contractors under the bus and say, "Gee, they're using a resource that they don't pay for." So if they use too much and they don't have to pay for it, but the landscape looks green and nice, why change? Okay, so that's number one. Uh, number two, uh, I find a large number of contractors uh, compete on price and they always want to show value to their customers in the form of, I can save you money on this. You don't need to spend $3,000 on a smart controller. I can manage that water for you and you don't have to spend on it, right? And by the way, I'm gonna be the lowest bid. So uh, this creates a challenge as well. But the other thing uh, that, that I think is really important about this is that, you know, the contractors are responding to customs. When I was at Valleycrest, there were times where I put 100 page proposals together for customers on how we were going to save them water and what we were going to do and how we were going to do it and how we were going to use technology to do it. And that would get summarized down to one Excel spreadsheet that had my name on it and a number and my competitors' names on it and a number. Right. And then this is how the bid opening would go. Uh, okay, uh, ABC Landscaping's the cheapest. Are they any good? And they'd look at the property manager and the property manager would go, well, they're okay. And they go, okay, they win the bid. And there's my 100 page proposal out, out the window. So this has to be more customer driven too, I think. I mean, I just don't understand why customers aren't demanding this, especially when we've got people saying, you'll save 50% on your water bill. It's a bit of a conundrum, Richard, it really is. Uh, I think that our industry, uh, the resources in our industry, I think we can kind of ring the bell a little louder about what the alternatives are, right? If you're a, if you're a water manager, you manage a big portfolio, even a smaller portfolio, what is your daily focus, right? Your daily focus is making sure that you're applying water in whatever way that you do as effectively and efficiently as possible. You're managing the contractors on site. You're dealing with hardware issues, whatever, right? All this stuff is happening. What's not happening is nobody's ringing that little bell. It's like, hey, you wanna save 20%? Hey, you wanna save 30%? Hey, what if somebody comes on site and helps you with a free water analysis, right? How, how, what do we need to do to explain or show the customer that there's this opportunity here, you know, to really generate some additional value at all your sites? Right? Yeah. We get excited about it. So you just used the term that I hadn't thought about in a while, but a water analysis. What is that, Greg? Okay, a water analysis helps uh, the customer understand how much water is needed for the plants and how much water is currently being applied by the controller. Um, it's a measured in, uh, in uh, inches and it's a very straightforward calculation. It's something that we have used since the beginning to really help customers understand what they need to do and what they should be doing. It's a powerful tool. So I totally don't get this. If your controller isn't on my property, somehow you can tell me how much water I should have used without having a controller there? Richard, it's the magic of technology. Yes, <laughs> certainly. Because uh, we all know that uh, there's, uh, for example, uh, climate areas, right? Specific climate areas in California. I think there's 27 of them. And in each of those climate areas, right, the weather is going to be different. The weather helps us understand how fast the water is depleting from the landscape, right? Once you know that number, and it can be distilled down to a number, like, for example, in the summer, 
up to 0.45 inches of water per day leaving the landscape. Once you know precisely how much water is leaving the landscape, then you know exactly how much water you have to apply. You can do that mathematics, figure out what your local water agency is charging, and presto, you know exactly how much money you should be applying on your property to keep it green. Yeah, so uh, that's a lot of science, a lot of technology. My guess is this report's got to cost me a fortune. A huge fortune. You know, we need uh, we need some blood, we need some kidneys. No. Uh, Richard, we're going to support customers or folks that are interested in uh, a water analysis. Uh, uh, we'll do it for free. Give us a site. Let us let us check it out and let us give you the report so that you can understand uh, what uh, we do and why it makes sense. Yeah, I think that's a generous offer, Greg. So I want to be sure that we're clear on this. If I have an HOA or I have an office park that I'm managing or I'm the property manager for, I can contact you and uh, and uh, you'll do a water analysis, meaning you'll tell me the past year or a couple of years how much water I should have used on my landscape. And I can compare that actually to my water bills and because I know how much I used and there will be a differential. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's something we do. It's something to help us Right. As a as a manufacturer, it helps us begin to show what that delta is. Right. We know how much water should be applied because we know uh, the weather factors that are relevant to that. Yeah. But the customers over here are just playing the water bill. They're just paying the water bill. Right. That perspective about how much water is necessary is lost on them. Here's a fun fact, Richard. Did you know the appropriate way to water your plants? in hot weather is not to increase runtime loads. The appropriate way is to change the frequency of irrigation. And the reason why we know that is that plants don't change, right? You have a plant in your landscape, root depth, soil type, sun exposure, all that stuff's not gonna change. What we do is we help calculate what's appropriate for the plant, and then we figure out how frequently we need to apply that water. If I was a plant scientist, and I'm not, but if I was, plant scientists would agree. You water based on interval, not additional runtime. So that's another thing we can do to help out. Yeah, that's really interesting, Greg, because um, certainly when I think about it, it makes sense. But in the past, maybe I've thought, gee, if it's hot today, I need to pour a ton of water on. But really, I'm just pushing that water past the root zone. It's maybe that I need to water today and tomorrow and the next day because it dries up so fast, not a whole bunch in one day. And so, but, but there's so much of this concept of, oh, you got to water deeply. And uh, I'm wondering how many people are just pushing water past the root zone. And Greg, correct me if I'm wrong, but don't some smart controllers just adjust on temperature and they run longer or shorter based on the, on. Yeah, because folks understood, right? It's close. It's better to have a timer or a controller with some, you know, understanding of what the weather is. The most, uh, the least expensive and easiest uh, equipment you can attach to your controller is a temperature sensor, right? And then from there, you can figure out, well, if it's 10% hotter, I'll do 10% more minutes. So that's how we kind of get stuck as an industry in this notion of, oh, it's going to be 110 degrees tomorrow. So I'm going to water 18% more. You know, it just, uh, it, it, I can, you know, there's some logic there. But if you're a plant, you're not going to be very happy getting 18% more water. You don't need it. What you need to do is let the water in the root zone deplete to about half the level, and then boom, refill. 
deplete and refill. That's the way to properly manage your landscape. You know, it's a big gigantic asset out there, Richard. If you, yeah. you're watering correctly, it's gonna be more pesticides and herbicides. It's I, gonna you know, be a stress, no reason to do that. Yeah, I think I totally get it now, right? So I've got a cup here, right? It's my 12 ounce coffee cup. Nice. It's a hot day today, so I'm gonna pour 24 ounces into my cup. <laughs> yeah, it's it's gonna be wasted, right? But if I drink that cup and just refill it more often because I'm thirsty because it's hot, this, this makes the difference. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's the whole thing that we do here, right? We understand how much water the plants need. We understand how much specifically is depleting from the landscape because of all these weather factors. And that's how we can dial in precisely how much water to apply and when. And we've got reports, we've got reporting, we've got all kinds of things to show um, where, uh, how that's happening and how efficient it is. Uh, that's one of the tools that we use after we do the water analysis at a site. You know, we've prepped some uh, report examples. So it's like, hey, you can look and see exactly what's going on. You know, we know the, I would say it's fair to say, Richard, we know the moisture content of the landscape without having a soil moisture in the ground. Yeah, that's amazing. So in times now where it's gonna stay hotter longer, more days in a row, how does this technology help me? Well, what it's gonna do is it's really gonna focus on not overwatering. Again, I go back to that infrastructure integrity thing, gotta make sure there's no leaks or breaks, right? Once you can confirm that, then this technology is really only going to apply what's necessary as we get in and out of those uh, hot spells, cool spells. If the rain comes, right, you need to make sure that you're capturing all that rain information. It's that, it's that data that allows the device to adjust in real time. And we all know real-time information, real-time adjustment is a lot cooler than using historical information or past information. Right. So, um, yeah, I, that's got to be the real key, right? Because if I'm using historical, but it's it's changed, that's not really helping me as much. Right. Very true. You know, the our sense of history and our sense of historical weather was one thing in the past, right? When those folks were putting together those data sets to load into these some of these controllers, nobody was like, oh, what, what if we have some weather variability? You know, it doesn't work that way. Right, they're going off an average. Now we can get weather variability in each month or in each week, right? If your controller is not uh, understanding that and not adjusting your cycle of irrigation, you know, you're uh, gonna be paying too much. I mean, at the end of the day, your, your standard timers or timers with a temperature adjust, they're just gonna say, yeah, Richard, I need more water today. Oh, I need more water today. So, uh, Greg, I, the other thing I'm seeing is uh, temperatures and weather changing on a dime. And here in San Diego, I'm closer to the coast than I am the mountains. Sure. The mountains are getting rain. I hear about rain uh, last week almost every day on the east side of San Diego, but nothing on the west. Um, how do I manage that? You need to make sure that uh, the weather data that's used to change the schedule is available as soon as the controller wants to water, right? So uh, what we'll do is we will make a connection and download weather adjusted irrigation schedules an hour before irrigation, right? Two hours before irrigation, something like that. So we can get the best and latest information out executed into the field. 
when you have access to the weather data that we have, Richard, you know when where the rain is and how much it's going to be and how long it gets to your how long until it gets to your site, right? You can set up the system to shut off days before or days after based on how much rain you're predicted to, to receive. So that kind of uh, predictive analytics, future casting, there's a lot of words to describe what that function is, uh, but the ability to look ahead, look ahead now, make changes now based on what's happening in seven days or three days, uh, it's a powerful tool. And again, it gives the water manager another opportunity to go to the customer and say, look, we're not guessing anymore. We know what's gonna happen and we're adjusting today. Yeah, so um, this predictive analytics, right? I mean, I think uh, ET, evapotranspiration, only deals with what happened yesterday or in the past. Right. From whenever I do my calculation, it's behind me. So it makes a lot of sense that I have to look forward to. And not just to what the rainfall amounts may be, but actual ET. So with technology today, I got to believe there's a ton of companies that do this, this forward-looking uh, uh, predictive analytics. Well, Richard, you'd be surprised. There's not that many. Uh, the reason is that you got to make sure the data that you're gathering is accurate as possible, right? You got to make sure you can check that data before you let the customer controllers use it. And then you got to make sure you're using the data that matters, right? The data that matters is solar radiation, wind speed, humidity, right? Rainfall, those are the big four. There's, I think, 12 or 13 other weather factors that we gather to help adjust up or down what the irrigation schedule should be. But the ability of a cloud-based system, right, to take in all of that weather data, create the irrigation schedules, and then drop them down into the controller, mm. there's hardly anybody really that has that technology uh, uh, because it takes some time and some money to develop it. Right, right. And I think also, right, doesn't ET Water have the patent on the predictive analytics uh, portion of this? <laughs> well, now that you mentioned it, Richard, right, there's a little uh, a little bit of some attorney stuff happening, uh, should somebody want to go down that same road, you know, but uh, the fact of the matter is, you know, that's what the cloud exists for. That's why people have service-based systems, right? You let the cloud gather and manage the data, put it in a way that makes sense for you the contractor and the customer, right? Execute those schedules, check on the reports, and then, you know, you're good to go. Um, it sure beats the, the heck out of the traditional model of irrigation management, right? Which was standard timer in the field, somebody in a truck running around making adjustments and, you know, kind of spot checking everything. We've gone way beyond that. We know how much water plants need and we know how fast the landscape's depleting. Put those two things together, I can give you a pretty precise estimate how much water you're gonna need. Yeah, so kind of to summarize it, the bigger the changes we have in the weather, amplifications as well as changes, the greater the need for a smart controller that deals with weather in real time. Uh, yeah, I mean, the uh, as th your customer has to spend dollars for the water, right? And dollars to replace landscape or do uh, make any changes to the landscape, right? So at the end of the day, what's going to happen is more and more variability, right? Means more and more spend. Right. And your customer is going to get right back to you and say, look, I'm not really interested in doing this, mostly because 
I budgeted this amount of money going forward two years or three years. This is all I have to spend. Contractor, what can you do to help me, right? And that's where the contractor has to be nimble enough to say, look, well, actually, there's technology that's available that can gather the information we need and adjust the irrigation in real time so that we can make sure that we're as efficient and effective as possible. And we're trying to save you some dollars along the way. So Greg, if I'm sitting on the fence right now and uh, I'm, I'm one of the 85% uh, uh, that doesn't have a smart controller, um, what do you have to say to them now if they're on the fence and they're thinking about doing it? Uh, I would say after you buy some sunscreen, right? Understand what it's gonna feel like when all of a sudden your hot spell that used to be three days at 92 degrees is now 12 days at 104. Yeah. Right, just wait. You feel free to wait, whatever you'd like to do. But the weather is going to make the decision for you. The variability is going to uh, concern your customer enough that they're going to come back to you and say, Look, what are we doing? Right, it's always in our best interest, in my humble opinion, to be able to reach out to somebody with a solution before you need the solution yesterday. And I think that's motivational. I mean, we're all out in the world driving around, helping our customers, doing stuff. We understand that. The weather's changing, but uh, when it gets that intense, intense rainfall, intense heat, that's when people really are going to start paying attention. And I think it's in our best interest to be prepared with a technology solution to help our customers be successful. Yeah, no, I think that's great. And then I also want to just remind everybody that you personally will do a free water analysis for them on their property if they have a question, if they want uh, an analysis done. Uh, we'll send out a copy of this video to everybody who's watching today or signed up. We'll put your contact information in there so they can contact you and, and that's okay. Let's do that. Yeah, absolutely. If nothing else, uh, folks will get exposure. It's like, oh, I didn't know that you could do that. I didn't know that you could measure inches of water that's required. I didn't know that you could measure inches of water that is necessary to keep healthy plants. I didn't know you could do that like remotely without a controller on the site. Yeah. Yes, we can help with that. It's actually really kind of fun. So I look forward to supporting some folks. Yeah, I, Greg, I did this for one of my neighboring HOAs, 60-acre HOA. They were applying three times the amount of water that was required. We're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars on yeah. 60 acres. It's, uh, it's shocking what you see out there. This is one I just recently done, did. And so we're making a change, but, uh, and, and, and thanks. I know you're part of that analysis. So uh, I, this is, this is good news. It's, you know, and the reason why that's, that happens, you know, all over the place is that the customer has already budgeted the money yeah. for them. It's a fixed cost. It's sunk. They're like, I don't want to think about other stuff. I want to think about solar, or, you know, redoing the parking or whatever, you know, it's going to be the confident and motivated contractor who's going to come up and say, wait a minute. How much are you spending? If we do this, we don't have to spend that. Right. And Greg, I mean, you hit on a really good point there, right? Uh, special assessments kill HOAs when you go to resell your place. Everybody wants to know two questions. What's the HOA monthly fee? And when was the last special assessment? And if the first one's high and the most recent special assessment was recent for $25,000, $40,000, it kills the values. So... If you can save money and water and spend that money on other things, uh, property values go up like crazy. 
It is. It's true. Uh, those are some of the fundamental things that drive a business practice at an HOA. Yeah. Right? So that's <laughs> that's the next webinar. That's for a different time, but that's a good one. <laughs> So, well, Greg, you've been great helping us understand with uh, the weather changing, and I don't mean summer to fall, but with the weather changing in a big way, uh, how much more valuable uh, smart controllers, uh, Jane Unity software is going to be for future water management and uh, really, you know, to keep the planet sustainable. So thank you very much. You did a great job. I really enjoyed it. Thank you to all of you who uh, tuned in today and uh, watched. Uh, we really appreciate. Uh, we know how busy everybody is these days, and uh, I really appreciate that you spent a little bit of your time and your day with us uh, learning about water management. So, And remember, you can always watch any of our over 200 trainings now on the Jane's USA website, janesusa.com forward slash trainings or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. So, Greg, have a great weekend. Thanks again. Thanks, everybody. I hope you guys all have a great weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye.